The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, the draft still ongoing, but the most relevant parts of it in the books now. Uh, great work, you and mostly you, but the, the team as well in days two and uh, three, mostly two, but uh, I think this is day three. But good work getting so many notes. You guys got notes for what, the first 100 plus picks? Yeah, the first four rounds. So all those guys have notes, and then we'll be adding uh, some probably some notes and and some guys into the system that are bigger names that went after the first four rounds, but I haven't really been able to focus in on that section of the draft just yet. I'm trying to get the top 400 ready with all the, the top guys from the class. Nice. Well, I was really impressed with, you know, the quality of the analysis. I feel like I... Learned a lot on that day one, just you know, following along with the the pick by pick analysis, really good stuff. But before we do a deep dive into the draft, let's talk a little bit about Keston Hira because I was surprised he got sent down. 
after the strong run he had, which included like a game tying homer and, and several home runs. What did you think of that decision by the Brewers? Uh, I mean, I think the backlash to it is just way overblown. I, I don't really think it's a crime against baseball by any means that that here I got sent down, and I have him. I mean, I have him on a couple really important fantasy teams. So I mean, it, it's not like I don't have any skin in the game. I, I was really bummed uh, from a fantasy perspective, but uh, big league rosters 25 man rosters is not the same as a fantasy roster and i think a lot of people that were up in arms about that probably have not been watching a ton of brewers since he's been up because i really i can't think of a time when i've seen a second baseman with as many poor throws as he had in the field uh in his time in the big leagues and you know one of those that that home run he hit um that tied the game uh, against the was that the Pirates I think or I forget exactly who it was but yeah, we were, it was off off Vasquez yeah off Vasquez we were watching that in the office I mean the only reason that game was ever in question in the first place is that Hira had a horrible throw uh, to Orlando Arcia that would have been a uh, inning ending double play earlier in that game and he had a, he's had a couple other just really ugly ones. So that's one reason why it, it was not that uh, outlandish to send him down. I mean, when you have a guy who, to me, was just clearly their worst defender, I mean, if they were, if they had a designated hitter spot, I think Hira would be the designated hitter. And, you know, so that's one thing. I mean, he, he definitely can work on that at AAA. And these guys all have egos. They all have uh, feelings. And the, the Brewers have really prioritized clubhouse chemistry since David Stearns took over. And if they'd sent someone down like Ben Gamble, like I, I think that that would have been, A, it would have kind of weakened their versatility because Gamble has been a pretty crucial part of their team, giving Ryan Braun all these sort of scheduled off days. And... Two, I just think that you would have had some some veterans in that clubhouse that would have been, you know, kind of annoyed about that because you, I mean you've got these veterans in there that are just doing everything they've been asked to do and and uh, doing really well in these part time roles and I, I think that the the fact is I mean you you have Jesus Aguilar, Travis Shaw, Eric Thames. I mean with those three guys. <laughs> like you, you need a little bit of versatility if you're going to carry three guys that are that are just corner only type of guys and I just think having Ben Gamble and having Hernan Perez on the roster uh is just gives them so much for ver- more versatility especially in the short term and I think that not giving a guy like Travis Shaw a chance to uh, you know, at least just give him another few weeks to kind of try to snap out of this funk. I, I think a lot of players on that team would have taken issue with that as well, just because of the fact that he sacrificed last season after they traded for Mike Mustakas moving over to second base. And, you know, he's he's been fine with being platooned and, and stuff like that. And I just think that there's there's a lot more at stake here than just Kesson Hira's success at the plate in that short stretch with the big league club. So I just really didn't get all of the just outrage. Uh, I know people are upset because of their fantasy teams and everything like that, but I I think people are kind of missing the mark in terms of that being a horrible baseball decision. Nice. It's a very well-headed or level-headed, well-reasoned argument there. So the, the the Marlins thrashing of the Brewers last night was not some, you know, baseball gods (laughs) related uh, karma thing. Well, I mean, I don't know what that was, but (laughs) Uh, that was 
that was a disgusting was game. Bad. I needed that Pablo Lopez start. I'll, I'll take that. But no, I think what you said too about team chemistry is really important. Reading that Astro Ball book, it's something that really is super crucial. And it seems obvious, but it's something that you have to protect and kind of nourish and, you know, not um, do anything to really jeopardize the, the team chemistry. Yeah, and you need buy-in from everyone on that roster, mm-hmm. when you're, especially when you're asking guys to kind of uh, take on sort of lesser roles than they maybe think they deserve. I think that there has to be some sort of, um, you know, if if a guy's sacrificing for the team, I think the team sort of needs to sort of do right by him when they can. And I think that that's like Keston here is going to have a great big league career. He's going to be back up at some point this summer. And he obviously got off to a great start at the plate and everything. So I think he's going to be fine. And yeah, I really, I think, of all the guys that they could have either sent down or designated for assignment, I think that this probably uh, leaves the the twenty five the guys on the twenty five man roster probably this would have been their vote too if I had to guess. I mean, especially the pitchers when you when you get uh, just kind of routine ground balls that are just mishandled or miss you know the uh, throws off target to first base or throws off target to second base. I mean, that can be just really frustrating. I mean, these aren't hard plays that he was was messing up so i think that it, it was a, a fine move i think the brewers will be fine for it i think Kesson here will be fine for it yeah and here of course just a phone call away so they could always bring him up if necessary and yeah you might as well give travis shaw that this last little bit of time to turn things around because if you pull the plug there's no turning back like if you pulled the plug uh, a couple days ago there's really no turning back there and they have all kinds of ways where they can get hero back in as an everyday player travis shaw gets hurt uh Eric Thames gets hurt. Mike Moustakis gets hurt. Uh, maybe Jesus Aguilar gets hurt. Like any of those things happen. Kesson here is back up. And I mean, I, I really like Mike Moustakis has been a much, much better defender at second base than Keston here, wow. which, which yeah. is like a, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect that or, or know that if you hadn't been watching this team, but it, it's, Really was kind of night and day the the gap between Mustakis's defense at second and, and Kesson Heroes. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I hadn't really seen that. I just saw, as you mentioned, into watching in the office those home runs and, uh, but yeah, that's kind of troubling. Do you think maybe that maybe leads to the Brewers changing Heroes' position down the road? I just don't know where you could put him. Uh, I think that it's something where they're going to have him just continue to try to work on that. Uh, First base, maybe? No. There were some – well, I mean, you've got I, – I think that that would definitely be an option that they would be – that they would look at, except that, you know, two of the guys that they have on the roster that do not have options that would have been sort of obvious candidates to get squeezed would have been Eric Thames and Jesus Aguilar, and they obviously opted to keep both those guys – on the roster, so um, maybe a, maybe a year or two from now, you could see here move over to first base. I uh, I would love the DH to be in the National League, uh, so that would be another way to uh, kind of get over that sort of aspect of his game. But um, there were, I mean, there were people. I, I had one person sort of questioning why I had I, I sort of tweeted out a preview of my top twenty five um, with. Uh, the top two players from this draft class in there and someone was taking issue with me having Austin Riley up at five and Kesson here at 12. I didn't move Kesson here down. I just moved Austin Riley up and you know, part of, 
part of it is, I mean, Austin Riley is capable of playing multiple positions pretty well. Kesson here is not capable of playing any positions really well. And that's why you saw one of them get sent down to AAA this week. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be happening with Riley. So that's <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Riley's up for good. Yeah, I think he's safe. Now let's talk a little bit about the draft, James. Um, after there's a little bit of you know conflicting reports, some rumors out there that the, maybe the the Orioles would throw a curveball with the number one pick. They did indeed end up taking Adley Rutschman. Bobby Witt Jr. went number two to Kansas City, then Andrew Vaughn, J.J. Blade. Riley Green, C.J. Abrams, top six. So really, as you and Jim Callis said on last Friday's show, really a clear top six, and that's exactly how it shook out. Yeah, I was sorry for you. Uh, I think <laughs> one of my, you know, we'll get to that. Sort of a okay. Well, I'll say I'll save oh, my well one of my one of my favorite parts of doing the draft coverage with you and sort of a peek behind the curtain for everyone that wasn't in the office with us. Uh, Obviously, the Reds took Nick Lodolo at seven, uh, but there were a good two or three times, you know, throughout the rest of the first round where you'd be watching the highlights of some guy that got taken by another team, and you'd just be like, "Why don't we just take that guy? <laughs> like that guy looks pretty good. Like why don't Dude, we take Alec that guy? Manoa? <laughs> Give me Alec Manoa over Nick Lodolo." <laughs> but yeah, I mean that top six uh, went went. Uh, it was very chalky. I mean the whole first round was chalkier, I think, than most years. But that that top six certainly was. Uh, exactly how well i don't do mock drafts but i mean it was exactly how the people that were mocking it expected it to go yeah and of course these top guys slotting into your top 400 prospect rankings adley rutschman andrew vaughn back to back sandwiched between brendan mckay and jared kelnick um i obviously ranking prospects is an inexact science by the way rutschman and vaughn 24 25 respectively obviously it's an inexact science but i'm just kind of wondering from a you know, in terms of how you're doing these rankings, how did you settle on this being the the spot to slot these top two guys? Uh, you know, I was just if I if I were rostering uh, Brennan McKay or Casey Mize or Mackenzie Gore, would I trade them in a dynasty league for either of those guys? And it's really close. It, I mean, I think. You know, if you just are averse to rostering pitching prospects and just kind of don't want to deal with any of that risk, I, I would not fault you if you wanted to trade those guys. I had that run of, of the top six pitching prospects in the game all in a row before Rutschman and Mize. I mean, I wouldn't really argue with you too hard if you said you'd trade any of them for, for one of those guys. Um, but I would probably stick with the proven pitchers that have frontline upside which i think all six of those guys do and they're all really close to the big leagues too uh with maybe the exception of mckenzie gore uh, and then like jared kalenic uh i'm sure a lot of people would prefer kalenic over rutchman and vaughn i personally would not i think vaughn and rutchman are ready to hit double a pitching today kalenic just got the bump up to uh high a i believe and he's he's doing fine but i mean i, I think there's some issues with his swing that I'd like him to adjust. I mean, he's really not using the whole field that much at all. Um, I mean, he's a really good prospect. All these guys are good prospects. Like, I don't want people to take offense. Like, how can you have him there? I mean, all these guys are talented. But to me, I would trade Jared Kalanick for Rutschman or Vaughn. And that's sort of how I settled on that. I, I was kind of... What I would do is... I So, I obviously, when you're adding these prospects in, I, I have to re-rank all the other guys too just so that the whole list makes sense 
So I ranked about, I went, you know, 40 to 50 deep. And then I just kind of looked at it like, where would I, at what point would I trade a guy for Vaughn and Rutschman? And that's sort of where I settled on. And then I kind of did that uh, as, as we continue to go down the top 400 with the rest of the guys. Nice. Andrew Vaughn, of course, Freddie Freeman with power. <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that was probably my favorite comp of the night, just because it was People, not only yeah. not only are you comparing him to Freddie Freeman, one of the best players in the game, but uh, you're saying Freeman doesn't like have Fre- power. Like Freeman doesn't no power. Freddie Freeman doesn't have power. So imagine if Freddie Freeman had power. It's it pretty nice to give Freddie Freeman with power at three overall <laughs> in the first year player draft. That's insane. Realistically, what are the long-term expectations for Vaughn and the grades on his tools? Uh, I think, you know, you're, you're hoping for plus hit tool with, you know, some people think it's 80 power. Uh, I'd like to see with a wood bat, just kind of what he does, but it's, it's certainly 70 power. And um, so that, yeah, I mean, you, you could be looking at 290 to 300 with 30 plus homers, 35, maybe 40 homers. But you know he's also not in pro ball yet, and um, we don't exactly know how everything's going to translate. So if if he was, you know, if we knew that those were the tools against pro pitching, and he was at Double A already, he'd probably be uh, well inside the top twenty. But I mean, there's risk with every single draft prospect. There's not there's not anyone that comes just and you you can feel one hundred percent certain that that's how all the tools are going to translate. So you've ranked a lot of these guys already, and uh, I'm noticing that Nick Lodolo has not cracked the top 400. Do you think he? No, well, I he, mean, you haven't gotten that far. So I sent you. I sent you um, basically as as deep as I was willing to say I was very confident with where guys were going to end up. I have ranked Lodolo. I have Lodolo right now at 208 overall. Oh, it's about fifty spots lower than Alec Manoa, but it's fine. <laughs> you know, I I just that's not a good situation for Lodolo to end up in. I mean, just Great American Ballpark in and of itself, not where you want any pitcher to be pitching. In the short left field porch, you and, know, for and the lefty. This isn't an organization that has much recent success at all with developing starting pitching uh you know Luis Castillo is is kind of a success success story uh Tyler Malley but they've had so many uh, high highly touted pitching prospects just kind of not amount to anything uh I do you know I, one thing I I haven't said about Lodolo that I actually kind of it was sort of struck by is I I think his uh, mechanics are very very sound and and every every pitching prospect has a a ton of risk from an injury standpoint but to the extent that you could say a guy seems like a better bet to stay healthy than another pitching prospect i do think lodolo probably checks a lot of those boxes so that's that's one other aspect that makes him sort of an appealing real life option but yeah i just I, i think especially with him being a cincinnati red i think his his fantasy upside is is tapped to an to an extent Nice. So again, Adley Rutschman and Andrew Vaughn bunched together 24-25. Then the next three prospects from this year's draft class, Hunter Bishop, J.J. Blade, Bobby Witt Jr., they're also bunched up 48-49-50. Bobby Witt, of course, the, the first of that bunch taken. But uh, And I asked you this when we were talking with Jim Callis a little bit and during the Farm Friday hour, but I want to ask you again, just what is it about Bobby Witt that just makes you a little bit more or I guess a little bit less optimistic than others? Uh, it's just, he's a prep hitter. Uh, 
and he's a prep hitter where I don't I don't really see any one throwing a plus grade on his hit tool. Um, and I just, you know, I, I'd much rather bet on a college hitter if I think a lot of the stuff's going to be equal because they're going to get to the big leagues. Probably, you know, I, I think J.J. Blade particularly could beat Bobby Witt to the big leagues by two and a half years. And that's got value. And... I think he's going to hit for a higher average than Bobby Witt. I think he's going to hit for as much power as Bobby Witt. And I'm more confident in him hitting for a high average than I am with Bobby Witt. Obviously, the speed that Witt brings is very appealing in fantasy. And we know that that's going to translate. I mean, the, the way he's built, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. But you throw in the fact that he's going to be playing in Kansas City. Uh, I think that the... Like Chris Welsh has been copying him to Trevor Story. I think that's apt, but I think we we should ask ourselves what type of batting average do you think Trevor Story would hit for over a full season if he was a Kansas City Royal and not a Colorado Rocky. I think yeah. that that's something that maybe gets lost on that that uh, comparison. So I I think he's got a ton of upside, and I I do want to say I'm not sure which of these guys are going to get right into uh, pro games this summer and, and how many games they're all going to play. But of all the guys we've talked about so far, I wouldn't be surprised if any of the five ended the season as the top guy on my rankings. This is just where they're going to debut. I mean, if it becomes clear that, say, I don't know, say Vaughn maybe isn't making as much contact as we thought or uh, Bobby Witt's just showcasing this excellent approach with getting to power immediately and, and hitting the ball all over the field. Like, I mean, the, all these guys can, can move around a decent amount. I mean, the, what they do in pro ball is the most important data point that we will have to work with. And we don't have that data yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, this can totally change over the next couple of months, but this is just where I'm slotting them today. Yeah. And you kind of said that last week where you had a, the, the top six guys broken into two tiers, but you said it's very fluid. So uh, yeah, I, I get that. It's, it's a situation where a lot can change as these guys start to get their feet wet. Hunter Bishop, where would he have slotted in here, do you think, if he'd landed on any other team except for the Giants? I, I really struggled with that. I I decided not really to ding him much at all uh, for that just because, you know, I, I think you mentioned to me the other day that there have been rumors that they might try to move the fences in. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, and he's got such – huge power that I, I still think he can be a 30 homer guy in that park. Um, and it's, you know, I, I just think it would be, and you know, another aspect too is there's just nobody, nobody's going to be in front of him and like preventing him from just cruising to an everyday job whenever he's ready. Uh, there's not going to be a, there's not going to be like a Kyle Tucker situation with, with Hunter Bishop. Uh, so that's, that's a slight mark in, in favor of being a San Francisco giant, but I just, I, I didn't want to ding him because of that. And I didn't want to ding JJ Blade because he's going to Miami. I mean, all three of those guys, Bishop Blade, Witt going to ballparks where I would prefer them not to be going to. So it's kind of tough to move any one guy over the other because of that. Yeah. I think that's probably the wise approach just because, yeah, maybe they lower the line in right field and, in Oracle Park, maybe you just don't know. There's a lot, a lot that can change. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably wise not to dig him too much. By the way, 
obviously Ryan Jensen was a surprise at 27 to the Cubs. Anything else in the first few rounds that really kind of took you off guard? Uh, you know, I, I typically like what, uh, Alex Anthopoulos does in the draft. I didn't really like what the Braves did with Shea Langoliers at nine and Braden Shoemake at 21. Uh, I also, I mean, I know that, that I hate, I hate, um, kind of bagging on these picks because look, the, the Astros know, like a thousand times more about Corey Lee than I do. I, I mean, they, right. they have so much more info about him than I do. I just, that, that pick kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. I do think it was pretty clear though. You just kind of look at the, this was not a good draft to be picking late in the first round. I think as soon as really kind of as soon as George Kirby went off the board at 20, there just wasn't really going to be a guy that I got all that excited about the Brewers taking at 28 and that ended up being the case. Uh, they took Ethan small and it just, it seemed like there just wasn't a ton of exciting talent kind of in that range of the draft. So it's hard to fault these teams too much. I mean, I'm, I'm not that big of a Zach Thompson fan, so I don't, I don't really love that pick for the Cardinals at 19. Uh, you mentioned the Ryan Jensen pick, uh, was kind of a head scratcher. I didn't really like, the Logan Davidson pick by the A's or, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to get too down that road though, just because I mean, those guys, the, those front offices just have so much right. more information at their disposal than I do. And I mean, the MLB draft typically kind of a crapshoot anyway. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, these picks may not seem sexy necessarily on the surface, but you never know. Don't want to really crush a, a GM or a front office for, a pick when we have no idea what that player will be. Yeah, Ryan Jensen was kind of the first big surprise. I know MLB.com had him 99th on their list. He went 27th. There were there were some rumors that they were going to thinking about taking Allen, right? And he um, did he even end up going? Yeah, Jeff Passan. You know, we'd been kind of you and I'd been kind of cheating. We we sort of had Jeff Passan's feet up and Eric Longenhagen's feet up because they were tweeting out uh, the picks ahead of time. So that gave us we could get the jump start on writing. And getting those ready to submit, uh, and yeah, Passon tweeted that the Cubs were were taking Matthew Allen at uh, twenty seven, and then he had to quickly backtrack on that, and then Allen ends up going to the Mets in the third round, which everyone was shocked by, but it sounds like they're going to be able to squeeze him in in terms of what what his asking price was because oh, wow. uh, they just they took like three or four guys with their first four picks that are going to require uh decent sized signing bonuses and then they just took a bunch of a bunch of senior uh senior signs after that to save a bunch of money in the kind of the middle rounds of the draft so yeah it was a interesting strategy by the Mets I mean it, there would be nothing more Mets than for them to not be able to sign Allen uh, but it most people seem to think they've approached it with a way where they're going to be able to have that money available to, to give him. Interesting. Yeah, I thought since he didn't go and he was one of your – I mean, not one of your top, top guys, but he was on the list, I thought maybe he just would be that's what of I, off the books. That's what I thought too. Going, in, going into day two when he didn't go in the first two rounds, I was like, yeah, he's probably going to school. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, kind of creative maneuvering by the Mets, but we'll – you know, and I don't want to give him too much credit until it actually becomes official that he that he does sign. Yeah, gotta get 
pen to paper for the Mets. Now, a real quick note. America's pastime is back. The smell of the grass, the crack of the bat, and now that sensation of money burning a hole into your pocket. Just play Yahoo Daily Fantasy and find a baseball contest that's right for you. Go head-to-head against a friend or find someone online with Quick Match. You'll only go up against another player of your skill level. Play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You will keep 100% of your winnings. Or play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights in guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day there's a no-management-fee contest, meaning we take nothing and all players have a better chance to win. And for you really obsessive fans out there, you can set up a league that could span anywhere between two contests in an entire season. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is easy to play. Just deposit some cash, choose a game, and get to winning. So come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25 for $25 in free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight. Now, James, speaking of the Mets, Brett Beatty, it's spelled batty, but it is Beatty. Uh, he was picked at 12 and he was a guy that you, you know, do kind of like you have him slotted into your top 197. What does uh, Brett Beatty bring to the table? A uh, ton of raw power. Uh, potential for an above average hit tool, maybe even a plus hit tool. I did not like that landing spot at all for him going to the Mets uh, for several reasons. I think that they, you know, they haven't really had a ton of success developing uh, prep hitters there over the years. And I also just, I think there's a chance that, Beatty has to move all the way down the defensive spectrum to first base, or if he had gone to an AL team, maybe even DH. So that just opens up a, a whole can of worms with the fact that Pete Alonso is not going anywhere. Now Beatty might not get to the big leagues for four years. So maybe it, maybe it just doesn't matter at all. But there are other teams where Beatty could have gone where I would have probably ended up ranking him a bit higher than 97th. Very nice. Now I mentioned Alec Manoa. Is he the top? fantasy pitching prospect from this class no i have well i mean i wouldn't if someone wanted to say he was i wouldn't really fight back with that i I have george kirby uh right-hander from elon who the mariners took at at 20th overall i have him currently slotted in at 159th overall so that's where that's where the top pitcher from this entire draft in my eyes belongs is outside of the top 150 on the top 400 so that tells you a lot about that class and then Alec Manoa, I have second at 169, Jackson Rutledge third at 172, and those are the only pitchers I have inside my top 180. Yeah, that's disappointing, but hey, um, hopefully Nick Lodolo can climb that list. We'll see. <laughs> um, when the Twins selected Keone Cavaco, I'm going to try to pronounce it like Jim Callis does from now on. When they took him at 13, you said that's who I would have taken if I were the Reds. I might have to start a protest to get you running my team here. <laughs> I think you might be an upgrade in that front office. But why do you like Cavaco so much? Uh, just really tooled up. Uh, he's capable. I mean, most people think he's going to end up at third, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sent out as a shortstop or at least plays some shortstop early on in his professional career. Uh, I think he's got. he's going to end up with – plus power i think to all fields he's a above average runner 
it's possible that you know a guy his age. I think he turned uh, he turned eighteen the day before the draft. That doesn't necessarily. That's not necessarily an age where your speed peaks. I think a lot of times speed can peak in your early twenties, especially once you get into a professional uh, sort of workout environment, get on a professional diet, hopefully. And so I, I think there's a chance he could end up being a plus runner even. And Jim Callis, when he was on the show last week, had a really interesting remark. Just I was already really high on Cavaco, but Callis was saying that he thinks that there's maybe just kind of a five points of a grade here, five points of a grade there, separating Cavaco and uh, and Bobby Wood Jr., which sort of confirmed sort of where I was where I was kind of going with with Cavaco. So I think he's a potential five category guy, a potential five tool guy in real life. And, uh, the twins just continue to, in my mind, just absolutely crush the first round. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to, uh, point to any team that's, that's done a better job drafting in the first round over the past, uh, four years now. Well, wow, high praise the twins front office. That's solid. If you're a twins fan, um, but yeah, I think with Cavaco too, it's like he was a big pop-up guy, right? And I think you kind of put it like maybe it was just a situation where he didn't get that showcase spotlight because it was a whiff on the uh, scouts' part. Well, he yeah, I mean the scouts are only going to go where they, you know, I mean the, the, especially the big the big decision makers. I mean they they can't go all over the place. There's going to be area scouts that probably saw him, but uh, you know he just. When I was watching, you know, obviously I'm going to watch video of all these guys when I'm doing my prep for the draft, and he was one one of the you know three or four guys, both on the hitting and pitching side, where I was watching for about ten seconds and was just like, wow, like mm-hmm. this is a guy for sure. And yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about Cavaco. Uh, he's he's kind of in that to me. If I'm if I'm going to be drafting in a first year player draft. I want to be in a range where at least I give myself a chance to, to end up with him, which is probably, uh, I think you could probably get him around eight, nine, ten, something like that in a, in a first year player draft. And, and so as long as I'm picking by that range and can end up with him, I'll, I'll be pretty happy. I see. I guess maybe not a failing on the scouts part, but just seemed like he didn't really make those perfect game teams right. or something. Yeah, I mean he those are you got to get invited to all those those yeah. showcases and he just wasn't getting invited, so that's So not a lot of scouts really saw him. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, good job on the Twins part if that does pan out. Now Josh Jung, he landed in a favorable spot, I, I think, although we don't know how that new park in Arlington's going to play. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think that opens next year. It's mm-hmm. supposed to. Yep. I kind of think it might not at this point. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he'll, it'll be, that'll be their park by the time he gets up. It's not like he's going to be up next year. I wouldn't think, Mm -hmm. uh, the Rangers are another team that's just kind of had, you know, they haven't done a terrible job of developing guys, but they haven't done a great job either. I mean, this, it's not a farm system that's, uh, born a lot of fruit over the the past four or five years. Uh, maybe that's more on the pitching side than the hitting side, but, uh, theoretically good spot for him uh, assume if we just kind of assume that the park plays similarly but um you know I'm, I'm factoring in just sort of team track record with sort of drafting and developing as much if not more than i am home park with with a lot of these guys so jung i think that that was kind of maybe a neutral landing spot for him uh, i don't see a a super high ceiling 
with Jung. I, I compared him to Nolan Jones in the Indian system, which, you know, I love Nolan Jones. I've got him ranked in my top 60, but I don't think too many people think of Nolan Jones as a, a super high upside dynasty prospect. Nice. Now, two guys that it seems like you're a little bit higher on, at least relative to where they went in the draft, Will Wilson uh, to the Angels and Corbin Carroll to the Diamondbacks. You have them slotted higher than a lot of these guys who were picked earlier in the MLB draft. Um, with Corbin Carroll, lefty, prep, outfielder, a good chance to stick in center? Yeah. And he went 16th overall, and I'm going to be interested to see what signing bonus he ends up getting because obviously the the Diamondbacks had significantly more money to work with than any other team in the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if Corbin Carroll gets kind of like top 12 money and they were just able to buy him down to 16. Uh, but he was going to be, I think he was going to be my number seven guy pretty much wherever he went because it's just a, a skill set that I am, am really comfortable with. Uh, one of the you know many people would have would probably say had the second or third best hit tool among uh, the prep players in this class also has plus speed that I think he will maintain uh, through the minor leagues and he's got he's got kind of a compact swing with some bat speed that I think will eventually translate into double digit homer power so I think he's going to be maybe kind of a table setter type and it it certainly works in his favor that you know, Alec Thomas, who was one of their top picks last year, kind of has a similar tool set as, as a prep player, and he's just had an amazing start to his pro career. He's moving inside the top 50 on my next update. So we know that the Diamondbacks can kind of use, you know, whatever they did with Alec Thomas, just kind of have, have Carroll do the same thing. I mean, I think that that's sort of a, a mark in, in the Diamondbacks' favor with, when it comes to Carroll. Nice. So one guy I was pretty impressed with not only with the highlights shown on MLB network, but also the interview. He was live in the studio and just seemed like a nice kid. Daniel Espino, two questions for you relating to Espino. A, do you think he fell for any particular reason? And B, where do you think he'll slot into your top 400? Tentatively, I have him at 184. I think, I think it's really just comes down to risk with Espino and throws pretty hard, right? The, yeah, the Indians have not shied away from pitchers like Espino, guys where there's just a a ton of risk uh, of the player needing Tommy John surgery. We we saw that with they took a very hard throwing seventeen year old last year in Lenny Torres, and he's already had Tommy John surgery. Uh, would not be surprised if Espino needs Tommy John before he gets to the big leagues. Uh, also, I think there's a decent amount of relief risk with him, uh, just based on the fact that I think his command is going to be pretty shaky early on. Uh, so I think that that there's that's part of why a lot of teams passed on him. I mean, any prep righty is going to be very risky. Uh, I mean, let me see. Did I think he might have been? Well, Quinn Priester went ahead of him. He was a prep righty. Um, but yeah, then then Espino was the the second prep right hander, and he went twenty fourth overall. And prep pitching is one of the few strengths of this draft, at least in the kind of the middle rounds. Mm-hmm. So I think just teams are are cautious about using a first round pick on prep right handers. Interesting. Yeah, it just seemed like maybe he fell a little bit, but I. I was pretty impressed, but yeah, when you got a guy who's that young who throws that hard, there's that lingering risk that 
We'll yeah. need elbow surgery. I do want to quickly circle back. You mentioned Will Wilson and, and how high I have him. I, I think he's kind of a sleeper. I, I haven't seen too many people talk about him. I mean, he's not going to be a sleeper sleeper because he went 15th overall. But uh, if if Will Wilson projected to be a plus defender at, at shortstop, uh, he's a college shortstop from North Carolina State. If he projected to be a plus defender at shortstop, I think he would have gone in the top four or five of this draft. The The reason he slipped is that he's just – kind of all bat and I think he'll be able to handle second base maybe they send him out as a shortstop and he ends up at second base maybe they send him out just as a second baseman from day one but I think he'll be able to handle second base but I think he could be a plus hitter with plus power I mean he you talk about a guy that consistently performed at a very high level all three years in college I think his his bat has a chance to be pretty special and I haven't heard too many people talk about him nice well before we move on a quick word from our other sponsor prize picks Tired of the grind trying to win on DraftKings or FanDuel, spending so much time trying to set the perfect lineup only to fall short of winning big? Well, our friends at Prize Picks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections to win. No competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap with Prize Picks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks has new boards of selections up every day, covering players from Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA, NHL, UFC, NFL, NCAA football, and more. They're also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross-sport entries. So you can go under on Durant while taking Tiger on the over. Prize picks really is daily fantasy simplified. Visit, visit rotowire.com slash picks to sign up now. Or use promo code WIRE when you download the Prize picks app. Now, James, my mood on Monday did brighten up a little bit when the Reds took Reese Hines. In the uh, second round, I don't expect Reese Hines to you know, be a guy who slots in really high in your top 400. But what can you tell me about Hines uh, to maybe uh, give me some hope for the future? Yeah, this happened. I mean, I think you had you'd still been sort of like kind of complaining about the Lodolo pick, you know, minutes before this Reese Hines pick, and I was like, hey, that that's a good one for you. At least he, you know, at least he'll be fun you know there'll be some fun highlights to watch of him in the lower levels he's got maybe as much raw power as anyone in this draft i think probably would say that uh andrew vaughn has the most game power just because he's he's kind of proven it but if if there was a home run derby from this class reese hines could win that and it's just massive massive power uh, but obviously there's some swing and miss issues. There's some where's he going to end up defensively issues, probably their third base or right field. But if he were to turn into a guy that could at least hit like 245, 250, maybe he ends up uh, developing some patience and being a decent OBP guy, then he could have a very long career in the middle of a big league lineup. I mean, the power is definitely the carrying tool there. So for fantasy – He'll definitely get ranked. I think he'll he'll probably easily slide into the top 300. And uh, while we're talking Reds, you know, since we, we rarely get to talk Reds, uh, I will say that they, they got Tyler Callahan uh, in the third round as well. And Callahan, uh, I actually like even more than Hines for fantasy. Wow. He's uh, another guy where I think, like the, I think the Reds have just like a aversion to – guys that they know can uh, be defensive assets in the middle of the infield because they just continue to sort of end up with these second baseman types that don't really have oh, yeah. a position. And Callahan is, 
you know, he's kind of the Willie Calhoun of this draft where it's Ooh. just all about the bat and he's already a very physically mature uh eight he's turning uh actually he's already nineteen. He's he's very physically mature. Um puts him on track maybe Supplant Votto at some point? <laughs> a couple it, years? I mean, maybe by the time he gets to the big leagues, there's the DH and the NL, and he yeah, can just true. slot right into that role. But, yeah, I mean, the Reds, you know, the Lodolo pick, we'll see. But I think they, they did some some smart things in, in the second and third round. That's good. That's good to hear. Now, back to Resigns for a quick second. Is Are these swing and miss issues like Monty Harrison level bad? Or, yeah, or not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be kind of a thing where – he probably doesn't get out of low A until, you know, maybe mid-2021. Like, I think it's going to be a long slog in the, the short season leagues. Maybe he has to repeat low A. Uh, but it's it's the type of thing where you, you have to be patient. You have to just hope that the uh, field staff at those levels is able to kind of teach him some things, maybe tweak some things here and there, and, and hopefully eventually he starts hitting for, for contact. Yeah, probably not the athlete Monty Harrison is right, but I kind nobody, of have some, Nobody is. Yeah, nobody. Who is? I mean, I just, just kind of see some parallels because when I saw the Resigns videos, I was like, whoa. Yeah. They got this guy, and that was kind of the case with Harrison. There are some glaring issues there in that swing, some holes. Now, one other pick in the second round that got some buzz on Twitter, Trajan Fletcher. Uh, what do you think of Trey Fletcher, and what, what was the – what was all the commotion and hoopla around this pick? Uh, I think I missed the what, what was going on on social media. Oh, just people were, oh, Trey Fletcher. I, I don't know. Maybe people didn't expect him to go this high or something. Well, yeah, I mean. Some I, signability concerns. You know, I think they took him in a, ra- in a range where they're going to be able to sign him. Uh, I don't think he was necessarily expected to go on day one. Uh, so maybe that's sort of what what you're referring to. Uh, you know, he's got a he's got first round tools, but he's very very raw. He's a guy from the Northeast, so probably hasn't had the amount of reps that the typical high school hitter has had. Uh, but he's got um, you know, he's got some speed. He's got plus speed enough to stay in center field, hopefully, and he's got a chance to develop twenty plus homer power. Just not a guy. Not a guy. I'm going to rank. I might not even rank him at all uh, to begin things off. I, I just when when it's going to be that raw in terms of the hit tool, I'm going to kind of want to take a wait and see approach. Here's what I saw. It was retweeted by JJ Cooper, and it was a tweet from Carlos Calazo, who did a really good job on MLB Network. Good job, Carlos. Uh, really good stuff alongside Jim Callis there breaking down the picks. But he said Trey Fletcher. Tools, tools, tools. Interesting that he got picked. Figured he would be a tough sign out of Vandy. So oh, I well, guess that was my – where did that came from? Sure. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, that's why he would, went ahead of where most people thought he would go is because they would have had to take him there to be able to sign him away from that. I, I do want to shout out – I mean I was – I was making fun of Harold Reynolds on Twitter before the draft. I mean, that that I don't want to rehash that, but like I thought, Jim Callis, uh, Colazzo, uh, Jonathan Mayo did a great job. I also think Scott Braun is a stud at what he does. He was doing the um, day two kind of the sort of the guy that was deferring to Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. I think Scott Braun. Uh, hopefully, can can move up into the the big chair for for day one. Uh, hopefully, sooner than later. Yeah, and Harold Ramirez, you know, it's fun to joke around. He actually had some insightful things to say this year, so 
Uh, good, good on him. Uh, anything else on your mind here from the draft, James? Uh, not really. I am, I'm grinding, trying to get this uh, ready to be up on the site tomorrow. Hopefully, at, at some point, uh, there's going to be a lot of. I mean, I, I know everyone wants to see where these guys slot in, but there's going to be uh, some pretty big risers that that weren't from the draft as well. So I would definitely keep an eye out for that. I mean, hopefully, it's up. Uh, middle of the day Thursday is kind of what I'm shooting for. Nice. Well, we had a really nice comment on Twitter from Brent Johnson, a longtime listener who says, you know, your show is the only one on earth that I know of, that he knows of, that blends baseball and hip-hop. That, to me, is Nirvana, he says. When I hear that kick in, I the music kick in, I get a rush. He also had a suggestion for our next end-of-show segment. He suggests the best songs that had zero commercial success – We've had some really good suggestions. Uh, I think we'll have to settle on one by next week. But um, any any one of these suggestions to you that you really like? Yeah, I liked a lot of them. I think you know we we had one that was uh, top twenty songs off of like solo Wu Tang albums. Somebody wanted to do like a top ten producers. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, Kevin suggested that. Yeah, I mean they they were great suggestions. I really think it's cool that you guys had such great suggestions yeah uh, i love that they're into this you know we've, we can't, we've had fun with it for a few years but and i didn't realize that how much people connected with that i i like the the zero commercial success one i think we will have to find a way to maybe kind of make sure that everything sort of fits the same criteria if we do yeah. that one because even songs like any single that's had it any, any song that was released as a single had some level of commercial success. Yeah, even if it was I think flop. that the idea behind that would be like no music video and no radio play, I think is kind of what we would be shooting for okay. there. It'd be uh, tough to figure out though, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Wikipedia I like idea, can be helpful with that. I'm, I might need uh, – maybe we should wait till next week to kind of uh, officially announce what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. I have to think on it too. If anyone else has suggestions, by all means, send them in. Or if, or if any of those ones that we mentioned stand out to you as as good ideas, uh, yeah, the Wu Tang one, Wu best Wu solo songs. Uh, I think that's my lean right now, just because I do think it'd be hard to define zero commercial success. That's the only reason. Yeah. What I mean, have we done any type of? I mean, what would be to stop us from just maybe you know maybe if we just did. The Wu solo ones, I guess, is kind of an, a more fun list than if we just did any Wu song. Um, and I do we, think the crapping on on uh, songs lists are pretty fun, too. But, well, I, I love, I mean, there's nothing funner than just crapping on, uh, terrible, on terrible, terrible anything, really. Yeah, that's I mean, true. I, I'll, I'll make fun of anything, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, don't, I also don't want to hurt, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I, oh, mean, no. I, I think... I now after watching that Wu Tang documentary, I sort of feel bad for all the mean things I've said about Capadonna over the years. I definitely didn't mean it personally. It's just yeah, he's kind of my least favorite of yeah. the rappers. But he's not seems, really seems saying like anything a, bad. Seems about like a good dude. I, I just um, yeah, we'll 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 maybe announce officially what's going to be uh, next, next week. week. Yeah, I think we'll we'll have to settle. This is your last chance though to hit us up with any recommendations of what our next end of show segment should be. A lot of good ones already. We appreciate everybody chiming in. We'll have to parse through and, and settle on something by next week. 
Uh, but any any songs that you've been jamming lately? Because I found myself this MP3 CD, and I didn't think it'd work in my CD player, but I put it in. It's like a hundred plus songs on there, and I've been I've been finding some gems. Nice. Any songs that you've been just bumping out lately? Uh, been listening to a decent amount of Iron Man. Um, oh, classic. You ever heard of Mac Dre, by the way? Yeah. I've been listening to a little Mac Dre and Doobie, Sugar Wolf Pimp. I don't know who that is. <laughs> All right, fine. What about Andre Nicotina? I know who Andre Nicotina is. Nicotina was pretty sweet. Fears of a Coke Lord, great song. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. Again, last chance to get in your end of show segment recommendations. Uh, we'll settle on something and have something for you at the end of next week's show. Looking forward to it. Talk to you all next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.